Today we have Jason Robin on the show. This episode is a little different than most. I typically have seasoned multifamily investors on the show. Jason just invested in his first passive multifamily deal. Look, have you ever wanted to start passively investing in real estate, but you didn't know how? Start by listening to Jason share his story, how he found confidence and courage to get started. Hear Jason share what it was like as a W-2 employee to get involved as a passive investor. Look, you don't have to be an expert or be rich before you can invest in multifamily real estate. Learn what's involved from Jason's personal experience. Before we jump into the intro, don't take a chance on missing out on a future episode to learn from proven seasoned investors. Go to Apple Podcasts, hit subscribe, and please select the five-star review. We are currently at 276 five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and are shooting to get to the 300 mark. Thank you to everyone for stepping up. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show. Each week, you will learn how to grow your wealth through real estate investing. Be introduced to the players that are getting it done and learn how you can get involved. And now, here's your host, Darren Batchelder. A little background on Jason Robin before we start the show. Jason and his family live in the Dallas area. He is a W-2 employee for a technology company. He knew he wanted to find a way to create passive income, but he didn't know how. He went searching, he educated himself, and he just invested in his first passive multifamily deal. Listen to hear his journey and his experience. Hello, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest with us today. We have Jason Robin. Jason, appreciate you coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Darren. Absolutely. So just a little bit about how I know Jason. Um, Jason and I uh, came in contact. He had listened to a number of podcasts. He reached out. We ended up getting together for coffee and getting to know one another. And then he he subsequently went and invested in his first syndicated multifamily deal. And typically I have syndicators on the show that have 1,000, 2,000, 4,000 units with a ton of experience. But I know that you know from the listener-based perspective, we have syndicators that are looking to scale up. And we also have people that are interested in getting into the game for their first time so I wanted to bring Jason on because, you know, he just did it. And so I wanted to ask him some questions in terms of his mindset and, and what was going through, your, through his mind so that, you know, it may help the listeners that are um, in the same boat. And so, uh, Jason, really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, no, Darren, thanks for having me. I definitely fall into that second bucket that you mentioned about, uh, you know, first time investors. Um so yeah, no, really appreciate being here and looking forward to this conversation. 
Absolutely. So before we dive into into some of the detailed questions related to real estate investing, um, can you share with the listeners, I know you're in the technology space, um, share with the listeners a little bit about your background, you know, maybe um, your age, your, you know, what field sure. you're in, what your role is, that type of thing. Yeah. I, uh, I'm a pretty uninteresting guy, Darren, you know, I, uh, I, I don't <laughs> think so. Or I wouldn't have asked you on. So I, I hope that's not the case. Yeah, no, you know, uh, undergraduate degree, uh, engineering and, um, went back to school later after working for a little while, got an MBA, found a job after all of that. I work, as you mentioned, I work for a major, uh, technology manufacturing company, uh, here in the Dallas area, just a regular W2 job, save for retirement, hang out with my family. I'm 40 years old, uh, so hit the big, the big uh, birthday this year. Really, you know, just uh, more than anything, pastimes are spent with my kids and my wife and doing family activities. And, you know, I found myself in a place where I'm sort of finally have uh, no longer chasing myself up an escalator. You know, I've kind of got uh, a house that I own. I've got cars that I own. I've got retirement plan, sort of where maybe it's a good place to be to get going. And really came looking for you, Darren, and uh, in this opportunity to try to, you know, see what else is out there, what other opportunities are available for guys like me. And um, and as you mentioned, it was my first time. And uh, so I've been learning a lot and uh, just really appreciate um, all of the time that you and uh, and others actually have spent um, um, educating me. No, that's that's huge. Um, you know, it's funny you mentioned engineering. I don't know why, but there's a lot of engineers in this multifamily world. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's the numbers thing or, yeah. you know, problem solving. I don't I don't know what it is, but a lot of engineers are attracted to to this real estate space. Yeah. You know, what I've learned is that um, and I'm not there yet, but I think uh, there's a lot of opportunity to optimize and uh, take something that somebody's been working on and maybe you have a better idea um, you have some experience um, doing other things that you can apply to that field. So your engineers are going to be highly analytical and they're going to approach it as a problem to solve, you know, not real emotional, but very analytical. Um, and, and it's a very engineering mentality to think that I can I can do better, you know. And so that, uh, and, that, you know, yeah. that's huge right there. I can yeah. do better. And, and I haven't heard anybody say that before, but. I think that that probably hits it on the head. Like, you know, a lot of engineers have that thought process that I can do it better. And, you know, when you go into these multifamily deals, every one of them is is pretty much a business plan on how I can take the property from A to B and have it be more profitable. And then how how that spits out returns to investors, et cetera. So um, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. If it was a perfect opportunity already or a perfectly run property, you probably wouldn't be interested in it as an investor. Right. So right. I think that's just the same point. So how did you even find the podcast? Yeah. Um, <laughs> interestingly enough, and, you know, we'll get into a little bit of a history here. I have been interested in investing um, in either real estate or a business opportunity for a couple of years. OK. Outside of, you know, my work and um and so then you get into this challenge about who do you talk to? Who do you reach out to? How do you even find these people? And, you know, uh, what I found was when I found people to discuss this with, um, if they were a player or they were in some part of the game, they were in real estate or they were owning small businesses in the area, 
Um, I found them not really approachable, um, sort of kept their cards close to their, their vest, um, you know, almost like it was a very clubby, you know, atmosphere sure. and uh, difficult to infiltrate. So that was kind of my background. Um, I then have a little brother in Austin, Texas, who invested in a bar. And, uh, and I thought, man, you know, pal, why didn't you call me up and ask me? I would have loved to invest in a bar. <laughs> right, right. And uh, turns out fate was on my side. He hasn't lost everything yet, but, uh, you know, they've had a cash call and uh, nobody's been paid anything. And so you're sitting here watching this kind of unfold and I'm um, thinking, well, you know, there are risks and that's one of the risks, you know? And so, um, but this is a constant conversation between my wife and I, and uh, just always keeping our eyes open. And through that, uh, she happens to be connected to your wife, Darren, and your daughter through the babysitting network up here where we live. And, um, and I think you had shared a post on Facebook and it made its way in front of my wife and she identified it and said, Hey, how about this guy? And so boom, reached out, you know, and son of a gun, you answered the phone, returned my emails and we had coffee within days. And, uh, and I could tell from the get go that you were different. Um, you were interested in educating, you were interested in spending time with a guy like me who has no experience. And, um, you know, I had a lot of discussions on the side with, uh, friends, with family, with my wife, uh, just thinking about, you know, who you were and, um, and I got comfortable with you enough to, you know, kind of take that step. Well, you know, that's, that's huge. You know, whether it's me or whether it's somebody else, you know, there's, there's a few things I, I would say is, um, look, I'm 50, so I'm 10 years older than you. Um, and I've been in a number of different industries and for one reason or another, the multifamily industry just seems to be very inclusive and very educational and very kind of pay it forward, um, uh, type of mentality. And I think part of it has to do with the fact that, you know, these deals keep getting bigger and bigger. And, um, so, you know, there's a necessity to partner with a, a number of people. Mm -hmm. So people don't, you know, ever want to burn bridges and, and then the capital raises get bigger. So you need more investors involved. And, uh, I think part of that is for that reason. And I think another part is just, um, you know, somebody helped me, right. Mm -hmm. And somebody helped the person that helped me and, you know, and then it kind of just flows you know, downward from there, you, you want to help the next guy. And then, you know, you're trying to level up yourself. And so you're hoping that the, the guy above you is going to help you get to the next level. So, um, that's huge. One of the things you said, which I don't think is, is unique is that you said that you were, you were searching for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I think that some people think that they're alone in that, that they mm -hmm. are, you know, they should be able to like listen to a few podcasts, read a few books, and then boom, make an investment. And some people, it just takes a longer period of time to get that comfort level yeah. or meet the right people, you know? I think that's it. It's the meet the right people. And, and, and for me, it all came together with you and listening to your podcast and your guests. Um, they were very relevant. They're current today in the market where I live, you know, for the most part. Um, and once I started listening, I mean, there are meetup groups and I don't know if we can mention other guests by name, yeah, but a couple absolutely. of them had, you know, specific meetup groups, very welcoming, very open, you know, it's Aaron Katz, you know, meetup group in Plano doors are open, show up, learn, meet people, network, you know? Um, 
I have no uh, reservation going to a meetup meeting and networking at all. Um, for me, it was finding out who they were, where, and, you know, maybe it's shame on me for not looking in the right spot earlier. But um, once I found it, it's just like, wow, this entire field opens up of uh, opportunity that you can go um, educate yourself and then start deciding what's next for you. Yeah, that's that's huge. I, I You know, I think it's like a this like closed society until you get introduced by somebody into it, whether that's through podcasts or books or meetup groups or mentorship groups or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, I've been around a lot of wealthy people and I, until I got involved three years ago, I didn't have anybody ask me to participate in one of these, you know, private placement deals. And, you know, these private placement deals, you know, are focused in real estate, but they're also focused in, you know, businesses. So you were mm-hmm. searching for businesses and, and in um, kind of angel networks and mm-hmm. um, startups and that sort of thing. And look, you don't get that invite unless you get to know the people involved. And mm-hmm. um, so that was one of the reasons why I really wanted to bring you on is, is yeah. I want, you know, people to, to hear that. Like, look, there could be some people that are listening that they've been looking for a year or two. And they're like, you know what? I feel like I'm just going to keep looking. Like, it's hard for me to pull the trigger. So mm-hmm. how did you pull the trigger? I actually, I didn't spend a lot of time worrying about pulling the trigger with you, Darren. I got comfortable knowing you. Um, you answered a lot of questions. You met with me multiple times. And again, through the network here where we live, um, I mean, our wives indirectly know each other. We have a lot of the same friends, mutual friends. Um, you know, I know you're nearby your home, you know, we were, we're fairly close neighbors. So, um, I felt a level of comfort there versus investing with somebody in another city far away that I can't meet or talk to. That would have been much more difficult. Sure. So there was a bit of a personal connection that made it easy. Um, you know, when I invested with you, um, it was a, a bucket of money that um, I do not immediately need for some other thing. You know, I'm not chasing last month's rent. Um, it doesn't really impact how I live one way or the other. Uh, ho- hopefully it has a positive impact in the future. But, but, you know, absolutely. If I lose it all, it's a lesson learned. You well, know, that, and, uh, We don't plan on having that happen. I know. Yeah. And, and so so I'm not worried about it at all. And um, and so, hey, writing the check, uh, actually, it was more difficult for me to figure out mechanically how to do it than it was to actually decide to do it, you know? Yeah. So, I, look, I was there three years ago. Um, I was committed to, you know, I pulled money on the stock market and I was gonna, I was transferring it into a bunch of multifamily deals. And um, but I remember I was still, you know, nervous, like, it, it, you know, had people that, um had recommended me to a number of different syndicators that I, I spent time with, I met, I had great reputations, had a lot of experience, um, but it's still something different, you know? So, um, and, you know, if you, if you look at the difference between investing in, say, stock market, uh, whether it be individual stocks or, um, you know, ETF or mutual fund, you know, you can you can buy a thousand dollars or five thousand dollars, you know, yeah. in in one transaction, and you know what can be scary in in these real estate deals is, you know, the minimum is fifty thousand or seventy five thousand or a hundred thousand, mm-hmm. and that can scare a lot of people. And mm-hmm. um, 
But what I can say is from investing in a lot of them, you know, I was the first one I think is was the hardest, you know, making that investment. And then after that, I was like, you know what? This is 50,000 or 100,000 in a $10 million apartment yeah. complex. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not a piece of paper in the stock market that can go down 30, 40% in a day. And, yeah. you know, for me, I chose to pull a bunch of my capital out and start doing the real estate thing. Um, but, you know, for some people, it may just be, hey, I want to diversify and and try it out and and you know and see how it works so how did you kind of get comfortable with the fact that it's not a five thousand dollar stock investment versus you know a a yeah larger investment yeah it's fantastic because we live in a place in north dallas in a very interesting time where the market around us is exploding and so you talk to somebody in you know our area or in you know houston or in uh, austin trying to buy a house, um, really hard to do. You know, you've got competing offers over ask and all of that situation. And so it is a seller's market. Um, and so, okay, so in a real estate, you know, it's COVID. Uh, I can put money with my brother in a bar uh, and that may or may not be open, or I can come to you. Um, I can invest in multifamily. Uh, people are having trouble buying first-time homes, right? The price is too high. Um, rents are going up. Um, you know, I just think inherently there's going to be a very strong demand for multifamily uh, residences uh, in the future. Um, and it doesn't appear to be slowing down. You know, uh, where we live, there's a lot of new construction going on. Um, word on the street is that it's taken like a year to break ground because there's a, you know, not enough supplies to build a house. So even if a guy's qualified to buy a home, he may not have a place to buy a home. You know, he needs to go rent in a, you know, an apartment or a multifamily uh, set, set up. And so, um, I just think that sort of has a trickle down effect and it impacts the entire industry. And so that's how I got real comfortable with multifamily here. And if I think about your story three years ago, investing in multifamily, I mean, that was probably a bigger risk at the time because the market wasn't what it is today. Um, now for us, I mean, it feels really obvious, like it's a good place to be uh, right now. You know, and it doesn't appear to be slowing down. So let's just hope that that, uh, that keeps Yeah. Going. So none of us has that crystal ball. We don't know, you know, real estate is cyclical. So it does go have its ups and downs. Um, and when it and when it does shift, it typically takes, you know, a f- few years to clear a lot of times um, before it heads back up into the uptrend. Um, but, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard that that saying that 90 percent of millionaires have become millionaires through real estate. Um, well, that was interesting to me because mm-hmm. I was like, look, I've been, you know, I was chasing the corporate world and then I went off and started my own business in 2007 and that gave me freedom of time. But, uh, you know, I still was, was, was beholden to, you know, customers and, um, you know, I was still tr- very transactional, you know, and yeah. And when I got involved with this, I've met so many people that were like, you know, I was like, is this real? And they're like, Darren, man, my net worth was 500,000. Now it's 5 million. I'm like, that's crazy. You know, like, and it was like one after the other after the other. And, you know, I couldn't see it. But now I, being in all these deals, you know, I'm like, I see it. But to your point, you mentioned, you know, 2018 is when I kind of started investing and we're in 2021 now. Um, 
I met some syndicators that were like, look, Darren, I was investing at 40,000 a door. And now, you know, the market's at like 80,000 a door mm-hmm. when I bought. And I, and I was like, well, I'm committed. I'm, I'm going. And it was, you know, about 80,000. And now in today's market, it's a hundred or, or more a door. Um, but when I look at what's going on, you know, the migration of people because of COVID, I mean, mm-hmm. markets like Texas, you know, the Carolinas, Tennessee, Florida, Arizona are just seeing a huge influx of, of new population. Yeah. You've got uh, Facebook groups dedicated to people moving from other states to Texas, you know, um, like health groups. How did you do this? Where did you go? Where did you find that? You know. Um, it's, it's a really odd time and maybe it does bubble and, uh, it comes crashing down at some point. But even then the beauty of this is that you still own an asset that has inherent value. It does not go to zero. Um, so there is some recovery, even if things go very poorly. Yeah, that's, 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 that's a huge point right there. Mm -hmm. So that's something that you thought about was, uh, Oh, absolutely. So when you looked at real estate, uh, multifamily mm -hmm. versus other asset classes, you actually, honed in on on multifamily absolutely thought in uh, on multifamily um uh you know obviously i've had friends and uh, family members of own you know rent houses and things like that in the past um when i put a pencil to paper on that it doesn't scale well for me uh and i can't figure out how you make enough meaningful cash flow until you actually own all of the all of the home you know um and so I have trouble with that. Now I've known people uh, in the past who have, you know, tried to build portfolios, and I think some people are wildly successful owning a portfolio of rental properties. But uh, I'm not quite in the position to be able to buy a full portfolio of rental properties. So um, sure. it it's, it felt like a much higher return for me to uh, be able to join multifamily. Um, and then back, you know, something you asked earlier when I when I was evaluating you and your deal, um, and you shared the information. Um, I am probably on the lower end of investors in your deal, right? So I think that if you looked at everybody there, there's probably most of them uh, have more in the game than me. And that's sort of a comfortable feeling too, because um, I think I'm treated the same as everybody else, but uh, these are smart people who have done this before, who have many, many doors and many, many properties. um, And uh, they're also investing in you. And so uh, I look at that and I say, okay, so where do I fall? Do I want to be the biggest guy in that pond? No, right. <laughs> but I'm very comfortable being the smallest guy, you know. No, that that makes sense, and and that's a, you know, it's not a requirement for everybody, um, but a, but a lot of people that I have invested passively in multifamily deals that I've come across, you know, one of the things they look for is is, um, you know, are the general partners putting money into the deal, mm-hmm. and. You know, so, um, you know, I think on that deal, we had six or seven general partners and, Mm -hmm. you know, we were all putting money into the deal. Um, You know, some some deals, maybe one or two of the general partners are not putting money in the deal. And it could be I'm not I'm not going to say that that's a bad deal because, Mm -hmm. you know, it could be that you have a, you know, a guy who just doesn't have a lot of capital. He may mm-hmm. be starting out in the industry and he's a go-getter, man. He he does the sweat equity. He goes out and finds the deal and underwrites the deal. And then he brings somebody with experience that's going to put some money into the deal and that has a 
big Rolodex, you know, that he can help raise capital for the deal. And, um, and that's, yeah, that could be okay. You know, but Absolutely. a lot of people look at it and say, Hey, I want to know that other people have skin in the game too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. You know, one of the things, you know, we had a couple of coffee meetings before, uh, we actually, uh, I invested with you. And, um, the second one, uh, I spent a lot of time really drilling you on what's in it for you. Uh, walk me through what the general partner gets out of this, you know, and uh, I want to understand like a lot of fine details about where money goes, right? Uh, rent comes in at the end of the month, what happens, right? Take me through the, the pieces in detail and you did. And uh, that was extremely helpful, valuable, and I appreciate it. And, and that's the kind of transparency that I was really looking for. Um, and I was really fortunate to find it. And so um, you know, my experience with you was that you were willing to share that. Uh, I don't know if that's a common experience or not, but that made it very easy for me to decide to move forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is pretty, um, in my experience, it's pretty common, um, Mm -hmm. that the general partner is, is pretty transparent and, and willing to answer whatever questions, you know, a, um, limited partner is is interested in because you know it's a win-win um you know the general partner needs a lot of limited partners to to fund the deal and the limited partner has the cash look i'm a limited partner in a lot of different deals um and a general partner in three and and you know on my limited partner deals i'm like okay, well, once I wire the cash, like they're responsible for running the day to day. I just want them to give me a good return. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I wanted to learn along the way too. Um, and, and that's something I think that's important to you as well. Um, Darren, you mentioned something that I want to, and and it was, it was important to me. It was that you mentioned that you need me, uh, as a limited partner. And that was not obvious to me going in. Um, my mentality was I'm a small guy, uh, don't have as much cash as others to give you. Why do you want to answer the phone? Why do you want to have this meeting with me? You know, what, you know, are you real? Uh, yeah, this is a scam. And, right. uh, you know, cause I mean, why, why are you talking to me? Yeah. And, um, what you have to realize for the, the guy who's on the fence about a first time investor is that, you know, there are things that as a limited partner, I need, um, I need that opportunity. I need that transparency, but there's also things that you need as a GP, you know, you need, uh, that pool of, uh, limited partners to invest either in this deal or future deals or, you know, so, so it takes all of us to play. And, um, and, and I didn't realize how important that was going in. Um, now, obviously if I drop out, somebody can cover my piece. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, um, this is not the only deal you're doing. You're doing this one and you will have others in the future. Absolutely. And I think it's very important for you to have, like you mentioned, a Rolodex, but, a you know, a group of uh, a pool that that is, you know, potential investors in future deals. And, and that is how, you know, I got comfortable understanding why you're spending the time educating me. You know, um, yes, this is deal one. Hopefully there will be other opportunities for us to be together in the future, too. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, I had that same thought when I when I got involved, I was like, okay, here, you know, I joined a multifamily mentorship group and I met a lot of different syndicators. Okay. But some of them have been in the business for a long time. Okay. And I'm like, I'm not going to get access to their deals. Right. Like they already have their 
pool of investors? Like, why would they even want my cash? Mm. Like, that's kind of what you're saying. You yeah, know? that's exactly what I'm saying. And what I realized after the fact, and I was it was educated on it, was that, you know, a couple things happen. One, when somebody gets involved and wants to get involved in, in multifamily investing, and it happened with me, I pulled out a bunch of capital out of the stock market. And then like once a month, I was getting into a, another deal. Well, after a while, you kind of tap out, you know, you're like, okay, I mean, you know, I decided I was going to go the GP route. So I was keeping some funds for that. But people don't have unlimited amount of funds. And these deals are longer term, you know, so they're the business plan is typically a five year, you know, hold. So, you know, you once you get in and you start getting access to all these deals, you don't have the capital to, to get into every deal. Mm-hmm. So even the senior syndicators that have, you know, a really strong pool of investors, well, they may have had last year, one, uh, one investor that may have invested in three or four of their deals, but now they're tapped out and, and they're not going to be able to invest again, potentially until one of those deals sells three, four, five years down the road. So now they're, it's a business, the way I was told, it's a business of finding deals and finding investors because the investors, you know, you're constantly having to find new ones because, you know, people get tapped out. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. And, and I think that realization I lacked coming in and I've learned it along the way. Um, and I've also, you know, so far through your network and the folks I've met and spoken to, I mean, every one of them welcoming, um, you know, informational, willing to share knowledge. Uh, so it was it was it's a pleasant surprise, exactly the opposite of what I expected. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I didn't I wasn't expecting that either. The other thing that I, I found, um, you know, look, not everybody is like you that. Mm-hmm. You know, when they find somebody and they get educated, they, they're ready to pull the trigger, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so, you know, I, I admire that you were able to do that because there's a lot of people and, and I did it as well. Um, but there's a lot of people that just can't get over the fence, you know. Yep. But the other thing that was that I really admired about you is, all right, after you got into the deal, you know, you ended up contacting me to get back together maybe a month later or whatever. And, you know, we're in there and and now you're, you're already talking about, all right, how do I meet other people? How do I get into the next deal? And, you know, so talk a little bit about that. Like how, you know, you haven't even gotten the returns yet, Yeah, but you went through the process Mm -hmm. and after going through the process, you got comfortable that okay this this feels real and mm-hmm. i i want to do more of this and i yeah. went through that same thing so i would like to hear your perspective sure yeah you know high level conversations are free right um or even if i bought some coffee conversations are free uh and knowledge is everything man and so um so far uh again i've had nothing but a great experience um my long term plan is to take some cash on an annual basis and continue to look for these opportunities um, and it occurs to me that, uh, 
you know, you've got a limited set as a GP. There's only so much you can possibly manage. So uh, I probably should introduce myself to other GPs and get a, a relationship built. Um, Absolutely. And through that, you know, I think the GP wants a relationship with who their limited partner is. I don't think they want a, a blind, you know, investment with a person they've never met, don't know. That may not universally be the case, but what I found is that I think it's probably really helpful you know, to have that relationship. And so when you've got an incredible opportunity to go invest, um, you know, and you've got a big pool of potential people, you're going to call me, or you're going to call somebody else. You know, I hope that I get the call. And I think that happens with the relationship and knowledge that I am real. Um, I will have cash ready to go. Uh, it's not complicated. And, um, you know, and that's what I want you to know about me and, and the folks that I go out and meet, you know, it's that, um, if I like the deal, I'll be ready to go. Or if I'm not, I'll tell you point blank, you know, and there'll be no, you know, no question about it. Absolutely. So you said it's not complicated. It is different though than buying stocks or mutual funds or ETFs. Mm -hmm. I remember the first time I invested in a deal, you know, there's like four lengthy documents that you have to mm -hmm. sign. So there's mm -hmm. a LLC agreement. There's a, um, a private placement memorandum, there's a subscription agreement, and then there's an investor questionnaire. And mm -hmm. so getting comfortable with, you know, those documents and the process and all of that, the first time going around, it's different. Uh, but then, you know, most of those documents are pretty standard mm -hmm. as you as you go forward. Um, so one of the things I wanted to talk about was, you know, you had cash sitting on the mm -hmm. sideline. Um, but I've learned a number of things since being in this group. And, you know, some people will say, you know, I'd love to do that, but I don't have the money. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned is that there are big buckets of money that people don't even know that they have. Mm -hmm. And so, if I look at three different buckets, like IRAs, mm -hmm. $9 trillion of sitting in IRAs. Mm -hmm. I didn't know you could take money from an IRA and then transfer it into another vehicle, whether it be a solo 401k or QRP or, or a self-directed IRA, just transferring money and then being able to invest in, in the deal. So, People want to diversify outside of, you know, their stock investments. If they have an IRA, they could transfer the funds over. Yeah. Um, that that's a huge pool of money. Money market funds, mm -hmm. four and a half trillion dollars in money market funds. That's money that's, you know, making less than twenty five basis points a year. Mm -hmm. You know, but a lot of times it's those people have money in there because. They're afraid. Mm -hmm. They're afraid to invest. Yeah. So um, t talk about that, like the the fear of losing versus, yeah. you know, the opportunity to actually, you know, get a good return because that fear will prevent people and paralyze people. Absolutely. Yeah. Your money's, you know, locked up in um, retirement account of some sort or some long term, you know, vehicle, like you mentioned. And it may not be an obvious thought that it's available to go invest. Uh, for me personally, um, at work, 
uh, you know, our four hundred one k plans are uh, untouchable; can't access them for this purpose. Yeah, right? Um, existing that was, that was frustrating. Yeah, that was dis- existing four hundred one k's you can't touch. Mm-hmm. But if you had ro- say you had left a company yeah. and you rolled yeah. that into an IRA, then you can use that. So it, it that is weird. Was, I don't know why you can't do it. Yeah, but it 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 uh, it it educated me about how I will make different decisions in the future. But yeah, if you leave your company and your four hundred one k, you know, you have a certain amount of time to roll it somewhere. And one of the options is, hey, put it in the 401k of your new employer. To me, right. terrible mistake. You know, just unofficial advice from me <laughs> is that it's going at least in an IRA where I can do something with it. I have some more. You have you know, control. Yes. Control. You have control That's the over control. It, you know? Yeah. Um, that, that is huge. Um, you know, so, so going forward, I, I personally focus on, you know, put enough in the 401k to gain the employer match. And then after that, I would rather look for other opportunities on my own. Even if it, even if it goes into a self-directed IRA, I have more control. Um, Ab- and so absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And the third bucket, which is a crazy bucket, and we were talking about the real estate market before is, you know, home equity, mm-hmm. you know, based in 2019, there was $19 trillion in home mm-hmm. equity. So, you know, look, I was brought up through the ranks of, you know, get a good, get good grades, get a good job, climb the corporate ladder, put 10, 20% away, you know, into the stock market and, you know, just let it grow mm-hmm. and pay down your house as, as fast as you can. Yep. Own and, that house. Yep. And yes, yeah. exactly. And so what's changed in my, my mind since getting involved with other people in the real estate world is all right. So if you have a ton of equity in your house, mm-hmm. like say, let's just say you know, over time, you know, housing prices, I know they're crazy right now, but let's say housing prices go up three, 4% a year, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't matter if you have an 80% loan on that, or if you completely paid it off, it's still three or 4%, you know, return on the value of that house. So what people have educated me on is, look, if you can have a, have a loan or home equity line of credit at three or 4% and then pull 50 grand or hundred grand out and put it into a multifamily deal and you're getting positive cash flow of, mm-hmm. you know, 7%. Yeah. Well, now you've got an arbitrage. Right, mm-hmm. so you've got the spread between the the cash return you're getting from the the investment and the the uh, loan rate you're paying on on the on your house. In addition, now you own two assets, so you're getting that three or four percent. Still, you're getting that three or four percent return on your house, but you're also getting the appreciation on that multifamily property that you, you're mm-hmm. invested in, and. When people started educating me on that, I'm like, it just makes so much more sense. Mm-hmm. I and think it's interesting because people have no problem pulling out equity to buy a rent house and charge yeah. a tenant rent, uh, but they don't think about it with this kind of opportunity. They also have no problem pulling out yeah. home equity buy to, a pool, to buy a car, to, to yeah. buy a pool or buy Go a car Vegas. or yeah. put put an addition on their house or, mm-hmm. or you know or college education, whatever the case may be. A lot of those things are have no return at all, but it's, it's the way that we've been. I don't, I don't know who's at the top that is educating (laughs) all of us to do this, but like we are trained to go through Mm -hmm. school, put money in the stock market and just let it ride. 
So um, talk about, I don't even know if you are, are very aware of um, or was part of your thought process, the tax efficiency of yeah of real estate investments yeah was was that part of your analysis no. at all or I no? learned uh, learned tax efficiency from you and from uh, Aaron Katz and so okay. uh, uh, there are some incredible opportunities uh, for tax efficiency um, and uh, I don't think uh, I, I this is where I have a lot more learning to do Darren uh, um, but you know I don't think that I uh, qualify for many of them uh, the way that you know right if I'm primary source of income is from a W-2 job, not real estate, then there's a much smaller opportunity, if any, to take, you know, tax advantage there. Um, but if you can arrange your, your situation correctly. You can have a spouse who works in real estate or you can work in real estate. There are some major tax advantages available to certain people um, on income that they derive from these sorts of investments. Uh, absolutely. But, but even for passives that have W-2, right? The, mm. the first thing that I would say is, all right, say, I don't know, let's say, uh, you know, you're getting a, you know, on another investment, a 7% return, like in the stock market, they say like, okay, if over the life of the investments, you should think of six or 7%, you know? Mm. Um, so 6% probably works better from the, from this scenario, but say you're making 6%, in the stock market okay and you actually have gains okay or income let's say that dividends okay six percent of dividends well you're having to pay income tax on that so now your six percent turns into if you're at the highest tax bracket maybe it turns into four percent right mm -hmm. but in real estate you're getting depreciation allocated to you so all of the distributions that you're going to get are going to be covered by your depreciation. So if you get a 6% or 7% return, it's a true 6 or 7% return. You're not going to have to pay tax on that. Mm. So now people that, to your point, that are in the real estate world, either a full-time real estate investor, um, there's additional benefits of, of being in that where you can take excess depreciation and allocate it against other income, which a W-2 employee can't do. But but in any event, you know, apples to apples, you know, a lot of people don't look at it that way. Um, mm. You know, I my grandfather told me a long time ago, he said, Darren, you should you should become a tax accountant. I'm like, I don't want to do that. It's, you know, born. But he said, look, taxes is the the largest expense you will ever have to deal with. And so it's behooves you to learn about it. And I'm. You know, I'm just being truthful. I I thought it was my grandfather. I just didn't, you know, I had it in my head, but I did not spend the time to learn how can I save, you know, on taxes. And since I'm getting involved in real estate, I've had other people tell me all these things and you're learning now, right? Mm -hmm. And then you'll tell your brother. And, you yeah. know, like that's how the world works. It's like you you tell the people that are around you, but if you're not in this inner circle, you don't find out about it. It's crazy. Yeah, see it. Yep. It's crazy. So, um, how'd you grow up, man? You got one brother or mul multiple? I've got three brothers. Um, okay. Where do you fit grew in? Up, uh, I'm second from the top. So one okay. older brother, two younger brothers. Um, 
we have lived between uh, Houston and uh, Texas and uh, in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Oh, I used to uh, live in Fort Lauderdale yeah. too. Um, and everybody's back in uh, the Dallas, Austin area for the most part now. So, um, so you uh, got anyway. one brother that invested in in a bar that's yeah, in a baby, little bit of a challenging baby. situation. Yeah. Now you're yeah. investing in this multifamily deal. Mm-hmm. Now, do you guys have conversations? Are people like looking at you like, okay, let's see how this thing works. <laughs> let's see if yeah. this is another a bar issue or is he actually going to make money? Yeah, no, a couple of people think uh, think we're out of our minds, um, you know, risky. Because again, non-traditional for, for a lot of folks and it's hard yeah. for them to wrap their mind around. Um, me and the youngest brother who do it in the bar, um, he's always interested. Again, he's he's got a wife with a job and no kids. So he's got some, you know, some extra income on the side that he can play with. And, um, and so, yeah, we absolutely discuss openly, you know, sort of how it's going, what you learned, what I learned. And actually you go back to his situation. Uh, he has no information about, you know, really his, uh, what he's stuck himself into. It's very limited. And so, you know, because again, early on when, when he got into that and I was saying, Hey man, why didn't you call me up? Um, I started asking pointed questions and he had a hard time answering them. And I'm like, well, man, aren't these questions you wanted to know? And he's like, yeah, but it, you know, they, it, wasn't, it was hard to get information. And, you know, well, what did you sign? What did you agree to? And so we're digging through files trying to figure out, you know, in fact, what did he agree to? Right. <laughs> so he didn't have any idea, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't really like open and transparently presented to him. It was a, hey, we're moving fast, in or out, you know, and he said in, and it was that simple. And, and then it cost him, you know. Um, and so that's a learning opportunity for him is that, Hey, it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, I would not have accepted that, you know, this right. and that was like, wow, that sounds scary. I would never have accepted that. Uh, and you don't have to, um, but you just have to be aware of what to ask. And, and I think the way you know what to ask is you openly discuss with folks, um, you know, what their experiences are and if they're willing to share, then that's where you learn, you know, make notes and move on. Yeah, that's huge. Um, and look, I, I've had a lot of very senior people um, come on the show and I got to say that a lot of them, you know, they had a deal go bad or sure. not necessarily a syndication deal, but maybe they bought a single family house mm-hmm. at the, you know, at the wrong price. Or um, I interviewed a guy who wrote a book just recently and, and he said it, he is his first duplex. He bought, it was cash flowing great. But one thing he didn't look at is the comps and like, and he went to a meetup and there were a bunch of people that bought duplexes, the same street, way less price because he didn't know any better. Um, And so he, that was a learning lesson for him. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think that, um, you know, hopefully we, we do our homework up front and get into deals that make sense, but then you know, each challenge is a learning lesson that helps us for the next one. And, um, you know, some of those people, they did that first deal and they may have had a little bit of struggle, but they saw the opportunity, you know, made sense to keep going. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of these people, it's not like they had a hiccup and they ran the other way. Mm -hmm. You know, they were like, all right, now I know this, I'm going to mitigate that risk and I'm going to, but but this real estate thing is real and I'm going to keep going after it. You know, um, yeah. another thing that I find comfort on is the, the financing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, multifamily has some of the most attractive financing terms um, in the country. 
And the reason for that is that, one, the government agencies are highly incentivized to keep workforce housing, you know, affordable. And so they, they have very attractive uh, financing plans. But they also, th- them and also banks, look at that asset class as being very resilient in mm. a lot of different parts of the economic cycle. And um, that's something that, you know, is very attractive to me um, as an investor and as a general partner investor is that, you know, look, if people are going to pay for something in a downturn, most likely going to pay their rent. Yep. Roof over the head. Yeah. Roof over the head. Food and rent, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, now learning. So you talk about learning um, and you've learned stuff to date and Mm -hmm. and you want to continue to learn so what's kind of your medium to you know longer term yeah uh, play in this real estate world so i have uh my medium to longer term play um i thought after i met you guys um talked to dustin miles you know checked out some meetups talk a lot to you um you know, stick your toe in the water of, you know, being a general partner, you know, you mentioned earlier, be a guy who can go out do legwork and underwrite. Um, I, I am not there yet. Right. So right now my immediate future is going to be more limited partner opportunities. Um, but, uh, but I like to keep an open, open horizon, you know, don't want to close any doors. Sure. And so, uh, you know, who knows something might happen where suddenly there's a great opportunity or something presents itself. Um, I do feel like I'm in a better position now to entertain that than I was before around like moving, you know, from limited into more general partner, um, arrangement. But, um, but anyway, I, I think that, uh, I'm not quite there yet. Uh, and so it's interesting to, to talk to guys like you or talk to other general partners or listen to your podcast about how they made that move, Darren, from yeah. interested outside uh, player to passive investor into took the leap and I'm drinking the Kool-Aid and I'm a general partner and they're doing right. great. They're doing awesome, you know? And so uh, the one thing I've learned about that is that, um, you know, probably I and most people are their own worst enemy um, with self-doubt or being concerned, use the word fear, but, you know, maybe a lack of confidence that you can actually go out and do it. You know, you start to listen to these folks who are on your podcast uh, and others. Um, and, you know, they're all smart, but they're smart in different ways, right? Some of them are extremely pessimistic and take only the most, you know, analyzed deals that they are absolutely positive. They're good. Um, some of them are, you know, um, and I don't, I don't remember the name and I don't want to try to generalize it, but one of my favorite guests that you had, uh, was in, I believe in Pensacola, Florida, um, investing and, and this guy was a smart guy but he did not have your traditional college upbringing. Right. Right. So, Hey, Jason, you went to school, got a bunch of degrees. You must be really smart, not compared to these folks. You're not, you know, but, but what it shows me is that anybody can probably do this, find the opportunity and educate themselves, you know, and, and smart comes in a lot of different shapes. Right. And so you can educate yourself, learn and go take steps to do this. If this is what you really want to do. And so that barrier for me has been removed, right? There is no longer, oh, you're not capable or you're not smart enough. You absolutely are um, because I can see this field of folks who are already doing it. And that's, yep. um, that's sort of encouraging. Um, now it just gets over that mental hurdle 
to uh, to take those steps. Yeah, I mean that I went through that same thought process. Like when I got involved in in the multifamily mentorship group, I met a lot of syndicators, and I'm looking at them and I'm like, yeah, they're smart, but like if they can do it, I can do it. Yeah, yeah, you know, like. But had I not surrounded myself with those people, I I think I probably would have, you know, continued to have self doubt. You know, um, so I think that that's important in anything in life. If you want to achieve something, go go out and, and hang out with people that have done it. And, you know, not just real estate, but like, look, you want to start your own business? Go meet a bunch of business owners and find out how they got yeah. started. Do you really want to do that? <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, and and sometimes, you know, they tell you things that you just didn't didn't know. I mean, before you you were thinking to yourself, well, Maybe you have to have a certain knowledge base, but like everybody comes at it from different angles, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, um, and so that, that's not a, not a fear for you anymore. Yeah. You know, what uh, was news to me, Darren, I'm sorry. It was that, yeah, it was, go that for it. it was a, it was in my mind, there's a collection of ultra rich people who go out and do these things. Right. And that's not the case, right? You have got this, you have got plenty of people through sweat equity and legwork, uh, and you know, selling themselves, they're able to partner with people who do have capital. Um, to go out and achieve exactly the same thing. And they position themselves in exactly the same place. So uh, that was a huge learning for me. There's, so my experience is that there, there's a mix. So like Mm -hmm. in the syndication world, it's exactly like you said, it's, it's look, general partners and limited partners, and you have to bring everybody together to make the deal work. Right. And a good lender and, you know, good broker and all, all the different aspects of the team. Um, but I have met with like I, last week I was meeting with this firm that they they don't do multifamily, um, but they they own a ton. Like mm-hmm. they own they own land, they own residential huge residential developments, they own you know um, all retail, all kinds of different things. And I'm meeting with that man, so, so way more experienced and been in the business for a long, 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 long time. But, you know, they explain what, when they look, when they get a deal, right, they call like three or four people, mm-hmm. you know, and they are calling, you know, the big guns mm-hmm. and they're getting three, three big checks and their deal is funded. You know, yeah, and they have less people to deal with, less people to work with. Yeah, and there's an advantage and, there for sure. You know, there's an advantage there, but so there, there are those, you know, super, super, super high net worth individuals out there mm-hmm. that you know are are playing in that space too. But to your point, I didn't know that we could even do this. You know, yeah. invest fifty or hundred grand and be involved in a ten or twenty or thirty million dollar you know yeah. deal. I mean. To me, I well, didn't. I and you think about clue. the education you get there. So, you know, I paid at the time, you know, $100,000 out of my pocket for uh, an MBA. Um, you know, what I invest with you and then the education I get. Uh, I mean, it's a similar kind of a thought process, right? I mean, I learn a lot. And not yeah. that you have to invest to be able to learn. You guys are so nice that you would talk to anybody, uh, even without investing. But I really wanted to be a part of that, you know, process 
have skin in the game and um, drag myself through it in that learning experience. And sort of that's where I'm at, you know. That's huge. What would be your advice to somebody else that's listening that's kind of in the same you yeah. know, situation? Man, I would say, um, I would say jump. You know, life is too short to sit on the sideline and have a bunch of times where you look back and say, I wish that I would have done that differently. Um, you know, my personal belief is that the risk is really um, low and the, the benefit is, uh, I mean, everybody hopes it's really, really high, but realistically, the benefit is probably greater than the risk. And so at the end of the day, I don't think I lose anything. Uh, I think I gain maybe some, you know, good financial uh, gain there and uh, definitely gain a lot of knowledge in the process. So, um, but me personally, I do not want to turn around, look backwards and say, I wish that I had done that when I had the opportunity. Um, I would much rather sit there and say it was a fun ride and it turned out however it turned out, but at least I got some cool experience out of it. Yeah. I mean, that, I think that's great. That's, that's awesome advice. Uh, you know, I would say um, to listeners that look, pick your market, you know, so for, for Jason, he was, you know, he liked the Texas market. It's a very attractive market and it's in his backyard. So, um, you know, pick your market, have it be a growth market. You know, you want to, you want to be where population growth, where income growth, uh, where household formation grows, and then, you know, develop relationships with syndicators, you know, so you can, do that through podcasts, you know, whether it be the podcast host like myself or look, every week I have somebody else on like their syndicators. You can reach you if you connect with them, reach out to them, you know, meetup groups, you know, multifamily mentorships groups and find somebody that you align with in the market that you want. And then the third thing is now, you know, who you want to work with or maybe there's two or three people you want to work with. Um, you get on their investor um, database and now it's a matter of, you know, having a deal come across that makes sense to you. And, you know, I'd say trust your gut, you know, um, trust your gut and um, to, you got to take action. You won't ever learn, you know, unless you take action. So I applaud you, Jason, for taking action. Um, kind of what's, uh, you said you're, you're going to continue on the 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 path of the passive investing what's kind of the big next stretch goal is it within your company or is it starting your own company is it just increasing your investments you know what's your your big next stretch goal my my goal would be to uh, generate enough passive income to retire you know someday uh, early if possible but um we're a long way from there so um, I think, you know, near term, more passive investment long term would be either, um, you know, so many opportunities that I actually have enough passive income to uh, to, to decide not to work a W-2 anymore or, um, you know, or at some point take that next step into GP. Yeah, huge. Look, you're you're further ahead than a lot of people because most people in the corporate world, they think that they're in the safety zone. You know, yeah. they 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 have a, a safe corporate job, but at the end of the day, you know, there could always be a downsizing, there could always be a merger, you know, you that job is always at, potentially at risk. So diversifying and learning other avenues, other streams of income is extremely important and you and you're doing that. So um what what about what do you like to do outside of work, man? 
Yeah. So uh, kids and sports is probably my number one love, uh, coaching kids and watching kids excel. What, what do you um, coach? Uh, <laughs> I was fired as the kid's soccer coach. Uh, <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I never played soccer, Darren. I was a football guy, you know, <laughs> Houston, Texas. So, um, uh, probably pushed my son a little too hard in, uh, in football going into middle school here. And, um, but, uh, we have a lot of fun with it. And then, um, we ride a lot of mountain bikes in my family. So we, uh, do a lot of biking locally, bike trips, um, and just, you know, try to spend time outdoors, uh, fishing, uh, camping, uh, on the side of lakes, um, on bicycles, you know, and just family time together, you know, just when you have little kids at home, I've got 12 year old, 10 year old, six year old, um, you know, those years are going to go by pretty quickly and I'm going to wish I had them back. So I try to spend as much time. They do. Yeah. And you'll see when they, when they get up to the, you know, (laughs) high school age, they, your influence kind of starts to, it it flows over to the friends. Um, Yeah. (laughs) You know, mom and dad are, you know, all of a sudden they're dumb. You know, you're, you're smart right now to your kids, but it it ends up switching. That's a fleeting year as well. Right. You know, right. And supposedly they come back. I don't, (laughs) I haven't, you know, I'm hoping to see that at some point, but, um, Hey, if somebody is like, man, I really, enjoyed that i really liked hearing from jason um i'd rather you know talk to him and get to understand what he went through versus you know talking to a syndicator um how how could somebody reach out to you so darren i hope you don't mind what i would love is if uh, if that happens if they can reach out to you and you direct them to me and i don't mind if you share that info uh what i don't want to do is post uh, my email address uh, broadly but more than happy to take a phone call and coffee meet with somebody absolutely absolutely so we'll do this listeners if you want to get a hold of jason um you know go to my website and um you know, go on the info or you can send me an email at darren at darrenbatchelder.com and, and just explain that you want to get a hold of Jason and I will get the information over to him and then uh, go from there. So Jason, really appreciate you coming on. It, it was a different show. I think it was um, very worthwhile because I wish I had listened to something like this um, before I got started hearing from somebody that just pulled the trigger on their first deal. So I wish you much success, my friend. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, Listeners, I hope you enjoyed that one. Until next week, sign off. Thank you for listening to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show at darrenbatchelder.com. If you liked the episode, please provide us with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. If you already provided us with a five-star review, then thank you. And please share the show with a friend. 